Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. All right, everyone, wherever you are and however you may be listening, welcome to another edition of the Sports Rivals. For Ernie, I'm Monty, and together we're going to cover the world of sports. Now, let's be honest, it's all about the NBA and the NBA playoff action. We're going to break down all eight first-round series, and you all know we record on Sundays. Game one is in the book for seven of the eight. We are currently watching the Denver Nuggets and Minnesota Timberwolves in the last of the first round games. But we'll break down what we expect to happen in these series, including the quite shocking Sunday so far in the first three (laughs) games of the day. But Ernie, before that, I want to go over a couple of things regarding local sports. Last night, my wife and I had an opportunity to be at senior night at the Stan Sheriff sold out to honor the six uh, seniors that have had quite a remarkable run and actually all of them except for Jakob Telly has an opportunity or could have an opportunity to come back and play another year but as we all know in men's volleyball there are only four scholarships for everyone so most of these players are already paying their own way which is why once they graduate there's no incentive to stay another year so they're going to be leaving but the environment Ernie was absolutely phenomenal considering that the scores were 25 19 22 and 20 um, you would never know it by the atmosphere it was just so much fun so much so that my wife wants season (laughs) tickets next year wow she was enjoying herself at the game it was just it was a lot of fun I took my cousin and her husband who flew up from Hilo just for the match last night and then they flew back first flight this morning back to Hilo uh it was so much fun so congratulations the University of Hawaii are co-Big West regular season champs they go nine and one tied with Long Beach as Mm -hmm. we remember the first two games they split with Long Beach but because of the tiebreaker the University of Hawaii has the number one seed good for them so they're one Long Beach is two Irvine is three. We'll see how things shake out. That'll be this week. I assume it's going to be a Long Beach University of Hawaii battle for the Big West title. And then the loser of that match more than likely will be the team that gets the at-large berth. Because it really seems to be a clear delineation between the top four teams in the country. Hawaii won. Uh, UCLA 2, Penn State 3, Long Beach 4. They really seem to be far and away better than everyone else. So we're looking at a situation where you're going to get those four teams. And Hawaii's already lost to Long Beach and Penn State. So they are by no means a lock to win their third consecutive national championship. But even if they don't, this group of players, just phenomenal. 26-2, again, two-time national champs going for a third. Third. And it's just surprising that, uh, you know, like you mentioned, that some of them have to pay their own way. You figure in a day and age of NIL that some, co- at least local company, you know, with the excitement that they bring would actually sponsor them. I mean, just, you know, give them that uh, NIL money so they can uh, 
give them incentive to come back for maybe their COVID year or whatnot. So. Yeah, I mean, it could be, but I've, you know, Hawaii, NIL, not a whole lot of that going around in, in Hawaii. But um, just, just a phenomenon. I'm excited about the Big West Tournament. I'm excited about them trying for a third consecutive national championship. And, and Ernie and I were talking off the air. They have three recruits coming in. And what's confusing is it's three Moanalua High School recruits that are coming into Hawaii next year. However, these three players are from California, Canada, and somewhere else in the United States. They transferred in to play their senior year together at Moanalua which is why Moana Lua is the sixth ranked team in the nation from a high school perspective. So these three players getting acclimated, they have some big shoes to fill next year with uh, Dimi Mukles and Jakob Tella especially moving on. So is that what we, we live in now? We, we accumulate players from around the country <laughs> and they go to Moana Lua and they gotta be living with someone. I can't imagine their entire families have moved here. Um, but somehow they found local families yeah, to take them families. in um, and in that district to get them all to play together at Moana Lua. So we'll see when it comes down to it. It's going to be those three Moana Lua boys probably against Charlie Wade's son, who's dominating as a sophomore at Kamehameha, probably playing for a state championship. But we're jumping ahead here a little bit there. So Hawaii successful now looks to be. Uh, in good hands going down the stretch. Now, the other big local tie event last night was blessed. Max Holloway back in the octagon in Kansas City. And it's remarkable how popular this guy is. I mean, they were booing the opponent in in introductions and they're just (laughs) Holloway, Holloway cheering for him. He wins a unanimous decision the eighth consecutive time that he goes the distance. Uh, 49-46, 49-46, 48-47. He won the fight, but the other guy put up a fight, man. Hurt him a couple times, um, but Max just does not go down. Actually, Max drops the guy right at the end of the fight. Had the fight continued for 10, 15 more seconds, he probably would have got the knockout, but the match ended. Nevertheless, he gets back in the win column. He also becomes the uh, Hawaii person with the most UFC fights, Mm -hmm. tying BJ Penn at 27. He also set the record for most um, strikes by a UFC fighter, 3,000 significant strikes by Max Holloway, the first in UFC history to get to that level. But that's that's 27 fights, and that's also him going the distance so many times right. and his quick hands getting things there. So a couple of local things that we wanted to talk about. Max Holloway back in the win column. He now goes to 20-7 and seven as he has a quest to get back to win another title, although he's lost three straight times to so the champion. I just don't see that changing he's gonna have to change weight class to get Mm. away from Volkanovski who has dominated him three straight times and the University of Hawaii men's volleyball but what Ernie really wants to talk about (laughs) and is fired up about because he is like Stephen A. Smith and Chris Broussard when it comes to the NBA (laughs) NBA playoffs it started earlier this week with the play-in games Uh, Ernie if you remember last week had Uh, We both thought Miami would beat Atlanta. That didn't happen. Atlanta beat them there. I thought Chicago would beat Toronto, and they did. I thought Chicago (laughs) would then beat Atlanta, but they were already out, and they did not. So Miami advances as the eighth seed. Atlanta advances as the seventh seed. In the West, the Lakers did all they could to 
not beat my uh, Minnesota. That was, that was surprising. But they came through with some significant defensive play in the fourth quarter and in overtime to win that. Uh, to advance as the seventh seed and the eighth seed, Minnesota responded. OKC, who you liked to get in, uh, they did beat the Pelicans um, to go from there. But before we break down the 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 first round games, now I want to spend a couple of minutes just talking about Zion. I mean, Zion makes a comment early in the week that he's physically ready yeah so i'm dunk but he's not <laughs> feeling like zion and he doesn't want to play until he feels like zion and he was getting just thrashed by his owner <laughs> the, t- the day after um they lost to okc yeah. and so the gm comes out and says let's clarify he wasn't cleared for five on five drills he was cleared physically but they're trying to save their relationship your thoughts on Zion or and it's not just Zion it's many of these players but specifically Zion who sat out since January the 3rd or 4th the whole season including the playoffs what do you think yeah kind of a bad PR move in my opinion in regards to how he yeah, he knew I mean only he knows when he's gonna play I mean we were anticipating this to be uh I guess not this long we anticipated him to be back for the playoffs even be back to make a you know a warm-up uh for the for a playoff run and you know and none of that came to fruition uh you know the pelicans who at one point in the season were number one fell down you know uh, to the to the ninth seed and you know eventually not even you know m- making it into the playoffs and I watched, I watched the video in, uh, of him dunking, you know, and everybody was making excuses for him saying, like, dunks for him are like layups. He said, but if you can do that, don't you think you'd be able to play even on, with spot minutes, you know, make some type of contribution to your team? I looked at him and he looked fine. I mean effortless for a man that size to do what he does and defy gravity the way he does is amazing but the letdown was it was all for i guess show and i don't know if he this was just for like a tiktok thing or or whatnot but the video clearly showed that at least from my opinion that he was physically able to participate i mean we this this is seen from everywhere you see guys sit out three weeks because they want to be 100% for the playoffs. And uh, let's just say Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, uh, last year's playoff, got hurt in the Milwaukee series, played with a fractured hand, and didn't mention anything until after the finals. But if that was during the regular season, he's out for a month. And Zion... Uh, uh, again, I don't know what to say. I mean, uh, hopefully there's some better explanation, but it didn't show well for him. No, it definitely didn't show well for him. And, and right now, if you're the Pelicans and you're you're the Pelican owner, right now you're getting zero return on your investment. Yeah. Right? I mean, you made the decision to sign into a max contract last year, despite the fact that he has played in his four-year career less than... Yeah, I yeah. think it's 114 or something Okay, like that. I mean, some... Uh, 
fraction of yeah. the total amount of games. He's played like 30% of the games. And then if you're a teammate, the players will always say the right thing. We support Zion. We support our friend. But when you know there's that much of a difference maker, if you're a CJ McCollum who's towards the ending part of your career and you know that if you have Ingram yourself, Valanchusis and Zion, in this West, you can make some, some noise that he willfully sat it out when he could have participated. And we're talking about a hamstring, so we're not talking about your knee or anything that could get worse. I mean, at worst, the hamstring gets aggravated and he's out for the year. He was already out for the year. Right. At this point, I think the Pelicans need to really take a look at possibly moving him. I don't know what they would get for him, but I think he's a big draw enough where somebody will take the chance on Zion. But if I'm the Pelicans, I'm not going to wait around and just donate $40, $50 million a year to this guy for right. nothing. Like, I, I, I get you. I mean, the, the comeback on top of that is that Joel Embiid, during his first three seasons, actually pay, played in less games. And now we're looking at him to become, you know, this year's MVP, you know, if it comes to fruition. But I don't think Joel Embiid did it in the former fashion the way Zion did. Well, he had major yeah, yeah, exact, Frank injuries. Exactly. I mean, he had major exactly. injuries that, that ruled him out for the year. Yeah. And the fact that Zion missed one year from his knee, I think, is fine. I think the difference between Zion is his the weight factor that really makes you question whether or not he's ever going to be healthy. And, and, he, and he looked heavy. Yeah, and he still does. I mean, they say that that's his normal weight, but he's not doing anything to make me be confident that his body is going to survive yeah. if i'm the pelicans i'm looking to move them if i can get the right deal i'm not going to give them away obviously but somebody would be willing to take a chance on a 22 year old superstar and if i can get value back like three first round picks or another all-star in return i'm going to take a look at that because he's not shown me at all through the first four years of his career that there's any chance he's going to be healthy for 10 years. Yeah, and I think both of us, I, I, I remember when we first started this podcast, when we when he was first drafted, we both had doubts based upon, you know... His body type. His, exactly, on how long-lasting that could have been. I mean, we saw with Blake Griffin, <clears throat> I mean, uh, even explosive, you know, you uh, with uh, ex, uh, uh, other explosive people. That's why I, I, I look at John Moran, you know, and, and explosiveness is uh, one of the key factors on why he's such a... You know, an icon in today's NBA, and you know if if you know, obviously he's in good health and whatnot. But one major injury that could derail everything. Yeah, and for, and I'm a huge Zion fan. I'm a, I love Duke. I yeah. love the Matt Duke. Uh, I love Zion. But the Pelicans can't be happy. Nike can't be happy uh, with him as well. By the way, Ernie, last weekend I saw the movie Air. Great movie. <laughs> I recommend those of you that are Nike fans, Jordan fans, um, worth the watch. A Ben Affleck, Matt Damon movie. It was worth the watch. But anyway, I, I digress. So we hammered Zion, uh, which from a North Carolina fan like Ernie, that's probably a good thing. Let's break down these series. Let's start in the East. I mean, your Celtics had a very, very easy first the Celtics, I think, the playoffs so far has played out beautifully for them. Because oh, I definitely. thought Atlanta is going to be a four-game sweep to me. 
where Miami could give them some trouble. I think they really dodged the bullet there. So let's start. Let's go in order, though. One through eight, Miami does come back, upsets Milwaukee today. The right. real bad news is Giannis goes down in the first quarter, does not come back yeah. with a back contusion. Early x-rays say it's clear. They do expect him to come back, but he, it's going to be hobbling. Uh, it's going to be bothering him for who knows how long. Me personally, I still expect Miami to lose this series. I expect the Bucks to come back. But what this may do with with Giannis Hurt is push this to a six seven game series, which is not good for an old roster like yeah. the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. So I still like Milwaukee. Originally, I was I would say Milwaukee in five with Giannis's situation today. I'll stick with Milwaukee, but I'll say Milwaukee in seven. Uh, I agree with you. I think Milwaukee actually in six. I think this was an outlier with Miami. Miami had actually played two bad games getting into this situation in regards to their play-in uh, efforts. Uh, I watched Jimmy Butler a lot. Those were two bad games for Jimmy. You knew he was going to have a you know a normal Jimmy Butler game. Today was that game on, on top of uh, a lot of other role players for Miami. Good for them. You know, they shot very well from three, you know, uh, <coughs> but they can't sustain it. They are... Last, last in the NBA in scoring, they they can't keep this up. Uh, Milwaukee's defense is a top ten in the NBA. This will all come back down to earth. It'll it'll level out. I don't think this thing goes seven. I do think that Miami gives them trouble. I think this is going to be very hard hard fought battle. I just think in the end, I see a six game series starting with a blowout. You know, in their next game, if Giannis is comes healthy. back, yeah. yeah, and that's a really big if because without Giannis, they're, they're they're not the same. Despite their record without Giannis in the regular season, they're they're definitely not the same. So we both agree Milwaukee's still the favorites to win this. Ernie says six, I say possibly seven with Giannis's situation. I like Boston in a four game sweep. Maybe they lay a, lay an egg in one game and 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 Atlanta takes one. But I think this one is, of all the series, the clearest matchup in of all eight. I like Boston to roll, and I'm sure you agree with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but just seeing how they uh, took the first game, I mean, they had a 30-point lead uh, at the half. Uh, Jason Tatum had 21 in the half. Then he obviously let go, uh, let his foot off the pedal only scoring four points in the second half. And I've watched a lot of Boston Celtics ball. This this is not unusual. When they get up big and they get uh, in their head that uh, we can coast towards the end, uh, things like this happen. That 30-point lead, which grew to, uh, I, I believe, like 32 or 34, uh, somewhere in the third quarter, quickly came down to a 12-point lead with like three minutes left. And we all know 12-point uh, leads aren't like 12-point leads uh, 10 years ago uh, they, they can dis- dis- disappear fast uh, With that being said I believe this is going to be a short series I like the Celtics In 5 If the Boston I expect the Boston Celtics To win the next game And I expect them uh, To go into Atlanta Probably win that first game in Atlanta And then rest I, I don't think they're going to have any motivation To play hard in a, in a game 4 I think Atlanta plays desperate. They uh, take game four, and then Boston annihilates them back at home in five. Okay, so then to the three to six matchup, the Sixers rolled over the Nets. 
<clears throat> I like the Sixers in this one as well. Like the Nets are scrappy though. They are a scrappy team with a lot of resilience and a lot of heart. I see them winning one though, maybe. You know, I like I like the Sixers in five. I think the Sixers will win game two. I think the Nets will go home and win three. Uh, and then Sixers will win game four and then go home and win game five. I like the Sixers in five. Yeah, I like the, I like the Sixers to win. I'm going to say six. Uh, this was actually a lot closer uh, than the final score indicated. If not for a great game by Harden. I mean, he was hitting on all. He was hitting his threes. Playoff Harden arrived. For the first time in a long time, playoff Harden arrived. It wasn't just Harden. They had 21 three-pointers. Oh, yeah. It was, it was everybody, a, it was a, he played well. Yeah, he, he did play. I think he, he had at least seven of the 21. <laughs> yeah. So he played well. Yeah, I think he had 13. Of and six. he was six of nine when it was kind yeah. of in question. He ended up seven of 11. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, if yeah. they shoot like that, they're going to be a problem. Yeah, they're gonna, and they're not going to shoot like that. No. I, I, I don't think they're going to shoot like that, you know. I, I, I look for that to come back down to earth. I look for uh, this to be... I could finish in five. I, 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 I really think Brooklyn is scrappy. You know, I like Mikael Bridges. I think he's going to do well. He had 30 points, you know, five rebounds. Uh, all the new people that came over from Denver... I mean, not from Denver, from Dallas and uh, Phoenix <coughs> start, started... You know, other than Claxton, Claxton's a pretty good defensive player himself. I just don't think no. I mean, nobody just matches up with Embiid. Right. So it, you know, from that standpoint, Philadelphia should win. I like the scrappy scrappiness of the Nets to actually take this to six. Okay, and then the the four five matchup. The Knicks go into Cleveland and win the first game. I'm not surprised. One one ninety seven. I am surprised because Julius Randle was questionable. He played. He played well. Yep. Jalen Brunson played well. Um, their defense showed out. I still think this is going to go seven. And and I question the health of Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson for all seven games. Yeah. So I like Cleveland to win a game seven in Cleveland. You are just, we're on the same wave path. For being rivals, we're on the same wave path. <laughs> uh, uh, the, I said the, it wasn't a surprise the Knicks won this game. The Knicks are actually better away than they are at home, you know. The Knicks are coming. The Knicks are just like uh, the Sacramento Kings. They haven't had playoff success in a very long time, you know. Other than uh, two years ago when Julius Randle uh, was last an All Star or last All NBA, uh, this is important for for the especially with Jalen Brunson having the theory he had, uh, and uh, he was he you know he started off, uh, you know. Less than stellar, let's just say that. And he came back on the second half to, uh, you know, help seal off that game. But, you know, Lillard played Lillard and no one else helped. And Cleveland is a good Cleveland defense. I don't think, uh, I think the New York Knicks can win games. Like you said, I don't know if they can sustain that for seven. And if it goes to a seven... I like Cleveland's chances uh, at home. Cleveland ha- is, is is really a, it's a good home team. Uh, last night just wasn't their game. It was the Knicks night, mm-hmm. and I think that's why I like. I'm just like you. I like Cleveland in seven. I think that one is going to be a great series. It Every is. game is a toss up. I think Boston and Philadelphia are prohibitive favorites. I think Giannis's situation makes that series competitive. But that four or five matchup could be anyone's game. 
all seven games yeah. if it goes that far. So let's go out to the West. Let's start with one versus eight. Right now it's Denver 55, Minnesota 44. Um, Denver's been in cruise control for the last month to six weeks. Um, they look good in this first half. Their defense looks good in this first half. Jokic has 13 points, 10 rebounds already at halftime. I like Denver to win this series. I think they're gonna we're gonna see the best version of Denver. Um, Minnesota has talent though. You're talking about Carl Anthony Towns played great against the Lakers for the first three quarters. Played really good against OKC. Uh, you have Ant Man, who's an All Star caliber player. Um, you have Rudy Gobert, who is Max Holloway in, yeah, in the NBA. But he had 21 <laughs> points the other day. So you just you just don't know. They have the big bodies to give Jokic yeah. some trouble. So I would say this game, this goes maybe six games, possibly even seven. But I like the Nuggets in, in six. Wow. Okay, this is where I've been picking a longer series against you. This is the one where I'm going to pick one shorter, short more free. To me, the Nuggets were like the Celtics in, in how they play. They went up to a tremendous lead. I mean, so much of a so so much big of a lead that they basically sleepwalked uh, after the All Star game and still had a two game lead over the Memphis Grizzlies. Even though Memphis went on that like ten game winning streak, they they, they just didn't have enough time. Uh, now it's the playoffs. Denver's gonna wake up. I picked earlier in the uh, you know b- before the season started. For Denver to win the West, I'm going to stick with that prediction. I like the Nuggets in this one. I like them in five. Okay, so the Nuggets responding in five. Um, we're going to save the Laker one for last. So sure. let's, let's go with the 3-6 matchup. Great game, 126-123. Sacramento crowd was absolutely bedlam. De'Aaron Fox is showing that he is a superstar. I go back. So that draft. <laughs> we took Lonzo Ball over Tatum. We took Lonzo Ball over De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> and the Lakers wanted to take De'Aaron Fox, but Magic wanted Lonzo Ball. Oh, Magic. You killed me on that one. <laughs> anyway, I digress. So I kind of expected that Sacramento was going to come on and win game one. I actually thought it was closer than expected. There was just so much adrenaline. You're still trying to get Andrew Wiggins acclimated. If Golden State would have won the first game, that would have been really, really big trouble for Sacramento. I still like the experience of Golden State in six games. I think they'll come back, win game two. They'll go home, win the two. They'll go back to Sacramento and lose. They'll come home for game six and win. I like Golden State and their veteran leadership over the scrappy up-and-coming young Sacramento Kings. Okay, prior to, I mean, uh, just because I saw the first game, I'm, I'm going to change my mind. I picked, uh, prior to that game, I picked Golden State in six. After last night's game, I'm going to pick the Sacramento Kings. And here is why. Golden State normally plays terrible away. Last night, they played well. They played well. All of them played well. Curry played well. Clay played well. Draymond didn't have points, but he had the rebounds. He had the blocks. He had this. Poole played well. Even Wiggins, even though he went one for eight from three, he still scored about 17 points and was effective on that. They all played well. They didn't play well enough. And guess what? Sacramento, other than Malik Monk, 
and De'Aaron Fox, they played terrible. Sabonis had a terrible game. Herder, the third leading scorer, had a terrible game. They can play better. I don't see Golden State playing this well. Uh, Again, away from uh, Golden State, they play way better at home. When they're on the road, they play terrible. This was a good, this was their chance to to take it in six, in my opinion. They blew the chance. Uh, in, in, In my opinion, I think that Sacramento can play better than they played last night. De'Aaron Fox, when he did his interview, he said, this was a feel-out game for me. I've never played in the playoffs. I, I always heard that uh, you can get away with things. Now I have a better feel on how, uh, you know, how harder I can go. And he, and he basically said, you know, say, stating to, uh, uh, what's called, the fans or Golden State's players, I'm coming out harder next game. Because now I know that what I can get away with and what I can't. So, I mean, and let's just say that you're talking about the number one offense versus the number, what, 14 offense and the number 14 defense versus the number 24th ranked defense. But the number one offense versus the number four offense is like four points. The difference in points scored, allowing points scored is only two. Two between Golden State and Sacramento, and I thought they, I thought Sacramento guarded the perimeter well. Curry and Clay, they made incredible shots. The one shot that Curry was open, I, I swear, I thought he was gonna nail it. Was the last shot at the end? I thought he was gonna nail that because he, he, that was actually his best shot in my opinion in the fourth quarter. The other ones, he was guarded, he was off balance. He made the tough ones. He didn't make the easy one to send it overtime. He lost that chance. I like the Sacramento Kings in six games. See, I don't think there's any way Sacramento can win game six in Golden State. So they're either going to have to win it in five or seven. I, I really don't see them winning it at Golden State. I just think Golden State's going to get better. This is Andrew Wiggins' first game. One for eight from three comes with your legs not being there. So uh-huh. he's got to get his legs under him. Jordan Poole is hurt. He has a sprained ankle. He may not play the next game, which will probably allow Gary Payton to play more. And I think you're going to see more Payton on De'Aaron Fox to try to give him a harder time. Um, I think it comes down to the second game. I mean, if Golden State wins game two, they're going to win in six. Yeah. If they lose game two, they're going to lose in seven. I think more important than that, I think it's a dribble penetration for the Sacramento King. Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox own that. Yeah. But I, I, think, think, I think the adjustment's going to be... When if they go in, if I'm if I'm Mike Brown, coach of the year Mike Brown, who has been in that room of the Golden State Warriors when they won the championship last year, I think he knows that team well. I think what they're gonna devise is do what you're gonna do. Next time that happens, if they're gonna collapse on you, kick out. Kick out and let's try to beat them from the outside. I think that's what so this is all a game of chess and adjustments. Like I said, I think the potential for Sacramento to play better is greater than Golden State's uh, potential to play better. And that, that could be. I, I just, I don't know if you can expect that kind of game out of Malik Monk again. So I think if he comes back to earth, Sabonis is going to go back yeah. up. And I think that's going to be a watch. So that's going to be an exciting series. Ernie thinks Sacramento is going to be able to pull it off. It's just hard for me to go against the experience and the... Mm. 
the all of that experience that Golden State has to figure things out. And if we can remember, they often lost game one in their run last year. And in many other years, they lose game one, they come back yeah. in game two, and they kind of figure it out. So a lot of people, Ernie, love the Phoenix Suns to get out of the West and into into uh, the finals. Um, they were undefeated with Kevin Durant in games yeah. that he played. Yeah. Today, the Clippers steal a game. Kawhi Leonard was brilliant with 38 points. And Russell Westbrook's energy down the stretch. He was 3 for 19 from the field. He had two clutch free throws. But in that, with a minute plus left, he got two offensive rebounds, buying them more time. He blocks Devin Booker's yeah. shot, throws it back off of him. That's crazy. Um, and the Clippers steal game one. Now, that being said, I have a hard time believing that they're going to be able to sustain this over seven games. I still like Phoenix, um, but this is going seven games to me because as great as Kevin Durant is, Kawhi was the best player on the court today. Yeah. He played better than anyone else today um and he got enough help from other pieces whether it be Zubats rebounding or russell westbrook's key plays down the stretch or eric gordon hitting some threes he got enough help um and the suns were off chris paul really looks old yeah he does he really look he's still a smart player but he's not shooting the ball well. He didn't shoot it well today. He looks old. It's gonna and Booker didn't have a really good shooting game. He had a lot of points. Um, I still like the Suns in seven because Paul George is not gonna play. But it's gonna be closer than I think people thought. Yeah, I could go. I, I'm 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 actually leaning towards. Uh, this is another game. If without watching the first game, I would have picked the Phoenix Suns. But I was I was thinking about this. I mean, during the halftime, uh, Charles Barkley had an argument with uh, with with uh, uh, Ernie in regards to why uh, that the Clippers wanted this matchup, and they're they're like you know, and Charles Barkley they clown him a lot. But in my opinion, Charles Barkley was correct on top of this because. On the last day of on the last day, both the Phoenix, I mean not the Phoenix, both the Golden State Warriors and the LA Clippers had a chance to flip-flop if one or the other lost. So, but they both won. Now the now uh, uh, Golden State had that incredible 54-point first quarter. So you know that they wanted to win. You know that they wanted to win. They were they were trying to uh, you know win and then give uh, the Clippers an easy out and then they get the fight. They wanted to win, you know. They, well, they had to win because if they lost, the Lakers would have been six and I they would have been in the play. From my understanding, they already had a one game lead and they had the tiebreaker no, the, over the, the league. The Lakers have the tiebreaker over the Warriors. They beat them three out of four games. Really. Yeah, so in that regard, they had to win to keep the Lakers out. It's the Clippers that didn't have to win. Yeah, the Cl- and they went ahead and won, and won anyway. And they were losing. They were losing at the half. So I, and I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. That's the one where I knew I knew that they had the the tiebreaker in that particular situation. It was a three game. If right. They were all three were tied, and right. the Lakers were the last. Yeah. So, but so basically, Charles Barkley was correct. It was all in the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers held all the cards on, on top of that. If they lost that last game, which they were down at the half, 
they could have been matched up with supposedly the easier opponent in the Sacramento Kings rather than the Phoenix Suns. But they came back from a halftime deficit, ended up winning that game to match themselves up with the Suns. And I thought it was Ty Lue's plan that, you know what? They lost so many pieces, and we saw today that their depth is just not there. I mean, uh, I mean, I hate to say it, Torrey Craig is okay, but he'd be hard-pressed to crack half the uh, playoff rotations on the remaining teams that are in the playoffs. I mean, the guy's a career seven-point uh, average shooter. Behind him is, uh, uh, who's the guy, Ish? I can't even remember his name anymore. Anyways, their, their six-man uh, is a career nine-point uh, average. They really have no depth after Aiton, Durant, Booker, and Paul. And we all know that Paul is old. And you saw today, they ran up and down. The pace was fr- uh Frantic, that's going to continue. If it goes to a seventh game, I don't know if those legs are going to last. I don't, I hate begging against Durant. You know, the guy is such a great player. You know, Booker's not bad. I don't trust Paul. I really don't trust Paul. And I don't think Aiton is, is that great. You know, if Paul George was back, Advantage Clippers. This goes to a seven, and I'm and I'm gonna play it out of both mouths over here. If the Phoenix Suns are tired, obviously they're gonna lose. Uh, this is a 50-50 shot for me, if uh, is, as far as this series is, is is concerned. But I thought that the Clippers chose the right the right team because I don't think that matchup with Sacramento, knowing how Sacramento can play, would have been. Uh, a better matchup for them. For them. Okay. Yeah. And let's talk about the Lakers. Lakers going to Memphis today. They defeat the Memphis Grizzlies uh, 128 to 112. It really wasn't that much of a, of a difference. They went on a run, a 15-0 run uh, to take a one-point lead into a 16-point lead. They went 15-0 down the stretch. Um, Austin Reeves closed the deal. Rui Hachimura, his best game awesome as a Laker game. with 29 points. Including five three pointers on on nine of eleven or eight of eleven shooting, he was brilliant. Anthony Davis's defense: twenty two points, twelve rebounds, seven blocks, three steals. His defense was incredible. Uh, but Austin Reeves—that's what the Lakers have really lacked—is a closer, and that boy has got ice water in his veins and he has got so much swag yeah i'm that, that guy i'm that guy <laughs> even with two hall of famers on my team and he did it i mean he made the pass to Rui behind the back he hit the three he penetrates he scores um austin reeves but that being said uh the lakers look good um, it's still going to be tough for them to win this series. However, I am going to gamble that they're going to stay healthy and the Lakers will win in six. I would, I would agree with you. Because I think if they go to seven, I don't think they're going to win in seven. I think it, the tired legs of LeBron, you know, and again, like you yeah, mentioned. They'll have a hard time winning a game seven in Memphis. In, in Memphis. That, that, that's going to be tough. I think, they, I think they win it in six just based upon how AD has been playing. The guy is... Uh, you know, showing his, he's just showing his, his, his other, I mean, this is not LeBron's team anymore. I mean, this is, 
Oh. I mean, LeBron is turning the ball over. He's, I mean, as good as he played, he had some blocks today. He had some dunks. He he, he hit. LeBron he was four for yeah. five from three. He was turning the ball over carelessly, like he did against Minnesota the other yep. day down the stretch. Um, he's got to get better. And to his credit, after the game, he's like, "I got to be better." So he was taking accountability for his turnovers. Um, but AD is a difference maker yeah. on the defensive side of the ball, and that's where this team has greatly improved. Um, you have Tr- Schroeder's playing great defense. AD is anchoring. Jared Vanderbilt is guarding whoever. He was guarding John Moran today. He guards the best player no matter what the position is, and he gives them a hard time with his length. Not that they, they don't score, but they got to work hard. Uh, I really like how the, the Lakers are playing defense. The only question, like everyone else has, is can they all stay healthy for the duration of the series? If they do, Lakers in six. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm agreeing with you. I think I'm, it's going to be Lakers in six. I just like, I just, I just think that this team is, uh, you know, in its, in its infancy, if you could call that, being that they got so many players so late in the season, is still learning to gel with each other. I think as we go, as they go through this process, they'll only get better. Uh, my concern is, like you said, the health, and it's not the health of LeBron. I think they can still win this uh, with an unhealthy LeBron, or if LeBron misses a game or two, it's AD. You, I, I saw while watching this game, the times that uh, Memphis made their runs was when AD was off the court. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you go back to the the Minnesota game. And I don't want to spend too much time because we're already 41 minutes in and we still got to do our award show. But LeBron was minus 21 plus minus on Tuesday. And even today, AD was plus 27 Mm -hmm. uh, plus minus. So you're right. I mean, AD is the difference maker because of what he does defensively anchoring the entire defensive team. So we both agree on the Lakers. So that was an in-depth Analysis of the first round game. So let's jump into our NBA awards. Um, let's start, Ernie, first with our all NBA teams, and then we'll get into the individual awards. So I'm going to spit out my top three teams okay. right now. Joel Embiid will be my center. Giannis and Tatum would be my forwards. Doncic and uh, SGA would be my guards. There's some question in regards to Doncic, the way that they faded down the stretch, but still he averaged 33 points a game. Yeah. I'm going to keep him on my first yeah. team. My second team... This is where it gets pretty interesting. The Joker clearly would be the center. I'm a, I actually have Sabonis in there as a forward, even if he's... Wow. All of these guys can be forwards or center. So I have Sabonis on the second team. I have Jalen Brown on the second team. I have Curry and Donovan Mitchell as my guards on the second team. And then on the third team, this is where I go Homer. AD, I think he played 56 games. He deserves to be on that third team. LeBron also will be on the third team for me. Julius Randle will be on the third team. And then De'Aaron Fox and Jalen Brunson would be my guards on the third team. So there's some people that just missed, like the Drew Holidays and the Jimmy Butlers, um, Brandon Ingrams, Damian Lillards that are not on my top three teams. But these guys, I think, deserve it for one reason or another. What are your teams looking like? My, my first team is exactly like yours. I have Embiid, Giannis, Tatum, SGA, and Doncic. I don't think uh, Doncic, even though they faded, 
uh, you you cannot deny you know his his greatness. Mm-hmm. I think that I think uh, the, the Dallas Mavericks uh, issues are more uh, from a front office perspective, bringing in Kyrie more than Doncic Don himself. On the second uh, team is where we're gonna have a uh, you know some uh, a little differences. Like you, uh, undeniably Jokic is gonna be the center. I also do have Jalen Brown over there as a, as one forward. I have Julius Randle as my second forward. Uh, I also have Damian Lillard, but I, I mean, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, but I included Damian Lillard on top. Even though he played on a terrible Portland team, I mean, I mean, how can, I mean, when he scored, when he scored 70 and then 60 and then, uh, that guy, uh, you just feel for the guy. I mean, uh, he's just a product of, of loyalty. If he didn't, while everyone, and I'll just use LeBron as an example, can choose and force their way out of certain situation, and Damian Lillard stays in Portland, uh, you know, just out of, you know, sheer loyalty, I'm not going to fault him for that. Just because he's surrounded by a bunch of, uh, and I hate to say it, you know, nobody's up to his level. You know, even Simon. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's up there. I'm not going to penalize him. I'm putting him on my second team. Okay. On my third team, I have AD as the center. I've got Butler as my forward. I got LeBron as a forward. I have Curry as a guard. And I have De'Aaron Fox as to close out my lineup. And I'll, if let's put the collective bargaining uh, agreement into this. If the 65-game... Mandate was in, in, in place We'd lose Giannis You know You'd lose Lillard You'd lose AD You'd lose LeBron <laughs> And you'd lose Curry mm-hmm. I mean that's gonna be It's gonna be very interesting Next year On how this uh, on to, to see how this works out Sabonis I, I, I wanted to put him in You know Guy played 79 games I think that counts for something I just couldn't Take out AD Because AD Even though he, he only played 56 games he to me he did he did more for LA than Curry did for Golden State in my opinion. I don't you LA would have been like fighting for Webb and Yama right now if AD wasn't there. I think Curry would I think Golden State would still survive. Not survive, but you know, not do as bad. So I and both of them played fifty six games. So I couldn't I, I couldn't leave both of them out. Uh, but unfortunately Sabonis was the guy out. Durant, 47 games. Uh, sorry. You, yeah, you, that's too you, that, that's, that's too much. I also wanted to put in marketing. I, I, you know, with the fading of Utah down the stretch, you know, unfortunately that, that showed bad on top of him. I also wanted to put in Drew Holiday. I, I thought, you know, I always expect this guy to, uh, you know, lose a step year after year after year. I mean, the, the guy's, what, 33 years old? He seems just to be getting better, just like... Uh, you know, fine wine. He just gets better and better. And Ant, Ant Man, uh, you know that guy's a uh, you know another trooper. He plays seventy nine games. He's gonna make these teams. Oh, yeah, yeah, he definitely he will. will. He definitely will. Okay, so some differences there again. Check. Uh, let us know what you think. As for all of our awards, Sports Rivals um, podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Now let's continue with the lesser awards and we'll work our way up to the major awards. Let's start with the Rookie of the Year. For me, it's a no-brainer. It's Paulo Banchero. Whether it be over Jalen Williams or Walker Kessler 
or or other people, Keegan Murray or whoever it may be. Paulo Manchero is the clear choice at rookie clear. of the year. Agree? Agree. He, okay. uh, agree. I think this, the, that's he's the best rookie of the year since Doncic. Yeah, and then well, the most obvious one I think for sure. And then the coach of the year to me, it's Mike Brown. I he's, don't even. I mean, there the OKC coach can get some credit, and there's others that can get credit, but I think Mike Brown has changed Sacramento. F- their first playoff appearance in forever, and they're playing with confidence. They're excited. They have a, an identity. Yeah. I think Mike Brown wins his second coach of the year. He already did. The coaches already voted for him. I think the writers are going to do the same. I think that's another easy I, one. I, I agree. I had goosebumps last night. when they, I'm not even a Sacramento fan. I had goosebumps when they hit the beam. All yeah. right. So the sixth man of the year, I think we're going to agree because I have Malcolm Brogdon. I, I'm sure you probably have. I have him. Over Emmanuel quickly, um, I think that's going to be the closest one. But I do want to mention two people. I was joking a lot of this year about Austin Reeves, but I think Austin Reeves is really proving his worth. Now, the fact that he started the last 10 games changes things. Um, but Austin Reeves, I believe, is going to get some consideration for this award because sure. by definition, he was off the bench for most of the year. Mm-hmm. He started towards the end. So I think he's going to get consideration as Jordan Poole well. Now, my daughter is a huge Jordan Poole fan. He averaged 20 points a game. But I want to give him credit because Jordan Poole played all 82 games. Clay rested. uh, Curry played 56 games. Wiggins took the last two months off for personal reasons. Jordan Poole got punched in the face early on. (laughs) And he played played all 82 games. And I am a proponent for people who show up and play, which is why I love your Tatum, which is why I have Sabonis in my second team, and why I think Poole should be mentioned. 20 points a game, playing all 82 games. That has to count for something when you got to fill in for Clay and you got to fill in for Curry. If there was no Poole and those guys are missing those games, they're not in the playoffs. I agree. So I, I think he has to get credit there. But I think Brogdon's going to win it, and I think it's going to be relatively close, but I think he's going to win it. Yeah, I think I, I, yeah, I, I, I pick Brogdon. I, I, mean, I'm, I'm, I might be a homer in everything, but I, I really think You that, are, but at least you admit it. I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> here's my justification for Brogdon. Brogdon has never started a game. He, he uh, quickly, how, however good his stats were this year, you know, he started 27 games. You take away those 27 starts, he's averaging three points less, and Brogdon beats him all across the board in regards to, to those stats. Uh, I don't even have quickly as my second. I have uh, Portis, Bobby Portis as my second. You know, uh, quickly played for the Knicks. They had a terrific season, but Portis was the sixth man of the number one team in the NBA. So I, and, and yeah, he, Bobby Portis will probably and, be and I, be I, right there. I I, I think I'm I'm picking. I don't know where he's going to end up. I'm picking him as my second. Now okay. now, now that you mentioned. Uh, uh, pool, you know, and, and that, I mean, out of all of them, he has the highest per game average. I didn't know what I didn't know it was twenty this year. I thought it was I thought it was less. Pool, uh, very exciting, very electric player, but it's he to me he's still two sided sword. He yeah, could be he can real be consistent, exactly. He, he can be consistent, and he's very much 
he's confident when somebody's out and he has to step yeah. up, but he does not deal with getting relegated to the bench relatively well. I, I only say pool because, again, the luxury that Golden State has knowing that, oh, we don't have to rush Curry back. Clay can take a day off because we can slide him in and he could go for 30. Yeah. When he's the starter, he yeah. often goes for 25 to yeah. 30 points. It's when he's a reserve and his playing time gets taken back that his average drops down. So I want to give him credit for that. Defensive player of the year, Jaron Jackson for me. Uh, but it's not that it, – it's pretty close. I mean, Brooke Lopez had an incredible defensive season. He's getting a lot of love, as is Evan Mobley is getting a lot of love for defensive player of the year. I know that you're a huge Evan Mobley fan. But Jaron Jackson, three blocks a game. He can guard all five positions if needed. Um I think Jaron Jackson wins it. And I think it's going to be relatively easy vote. Yeah. But I think Brock Lopez and, and Evan Mobley had great defensive years as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on top of that. To me, it's easy because and of if AD played enough games, AD would have been there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I love AD, man. I just wish his dad liked Boston. Maybe he would have been. But then again, we would have lost Tatum. So, but anyways, I digress. I agree with you. I think it's going to be uh, Jaron Jackson, the second. I mean, the guy's player efficiency rate uh, rating is two points better than uh, Jared Allen, who comes in second. Uh I believe Mobley is right behind there uh, as the third in, in defensive. Uh, let's just say this. Evan Mobley's uh, e- defensive efficiency rating is more from 1 to 2 than it is from 2 to 12. That's how good Jaron Jackson was this year. And, th- there's, there's, and the only reason why Cleveland has a number one defense is because they got Allen and Mobley, yep. you know. Uh, and they're versatile defenders. They're yeah. not just big guys. They're they're versatile. Yeah. Their length yeah. is makes everyone better because they protect it, the it, lane. Exactly. I mean, not that people on uh, on Memphis are terrible, but they're second in the NBA in defense uh, without uh, Clark, without Adams. You know, for much of the year, that is a big toll. Jaron Jackson, to me, I, I like him more. Uh, more separation than probably you do. Uh, I thought very deserving this year. Okay, and then the MVP is going to come down really to... It's a three-guy race per se, but really it's going to come down to Embiid and Joker. And I think Joker, like it or not, I think he mailed it in the last week to 10 days. He didn't care. He sat out so many games. Even when he played, it looked like he didn't really care. He just was trying not to get hurt. I think Embiid's finish... Takes him over the top. I think Embiid will win his first MVP. I think Joker comes in second and Giannis comes in third. I agree on top of you. And I think Embiid should thank the Boston Celtics for allowing him to score 52 points. He was only guarded by uh, Horford for 20% of his shots. The other the other three, without Time Lord there, without Rob Williams there, I mean, he was guarded basically by reserves in order to come to, to get that 52 uh, and I think that performance over the number two Celtics kind of solidified his uh, claim for MVP this year. Now, there's going to be Jokic supporters who say, oh, but the net rating on and off the court is, is easily Jokic. Uh, true, true. Embiid, uh, however, who came in second to Jokic uh, is really, I mean, you can make arguments on both sides. Embiid scored almost 10 points more than, well, let's 
call it nine. Nine points more than Jokic. Uh, rebounds were almost the same. Jokic probably averaged one. Uh, the, the different, really, the difference came in regard in uh, assists Assist. per game. So uh, that that was basically the difference. I think Embiid really deserves this MVP. You know, even though Jokic had a terrific year, a tentacupo number one guy, number one team. Uh, if this was any other year, he'd be he'd be clamoring for that uh, MVP. Uh, this year, it's going to be Embiid. No, I agree. I, I and, and I, you know what? Honestly, I think it was anybody's race until the last week or so. And I really think Joker is like, let's just mail this in. Yeah. And, and he really, he honestly could care less. And I think Embiid is now going to win pretty handily. So, okay, so let's recap what Ernie and I think. MVP, we both agree it's going to be Joel Embiid. Defensive Player of the Year, we agree on Jaron Jackson from the Memphis Grizzlies. Coach of the Year, Malcolm uh, Mike Brown from Sacramento. Six-man, Malcolm Brogdon. We both agree that he'll win. Rookie of the Year, Paolo Banchero, and an easy one. All NBA, we have slight differences on the second team, but we agree our first team is Embiid, Giannis, Tatum, Doncic, and Esh. GA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Sabonis. I give him credit for 79 games. I give him a second team nod. Definitely a third team. Ernie goes with uh, Damian Lillard and his just insane statistics offensively. I just didn't think he played enough games to knock out some of the other guards for me. But that's our picks, gang. So Sports Rivals Podcast, IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Tell us what you think. Tell us if you agree etc etc so i'm going to transition into my closing thought and mine is going to be simple i'm just going to acknowledge the fact that this week the nfl probably had one of the bigger blessings of recent memory with dan snyder finally getting out of the ownership (laughs) ranks and selling his team to an organ uh to a group led by josh harris the philadelphia 76ers owner and tied in with my man Magic Johnson is also part of this group. So Magic now is going to own the Commanders, the Dodgers, the Lakers, the Sparks, and the um, LAFC MLS soccer team. He's going to have ownership stakes in all five of these. Smart man. And I still don't understand with all of that success why he could not come to my graduation or my wedding (laughs) after I invited him. But anyway, my thought with with Daniel Snyder, I mean, he's been, let's be honest, if you're you're a Commanders fan or former Redskins fan, um, you have to be ecstatic because before he took ownership, Washington had a tremendous amount of success, three Super Bowl titles. Since he became the owner, they've been a mess, an embarrassment, sexual harassment claims, investigations with Congress for other inappropriate activity. Um, He's been a terrible person. He's been a terrible owner. They haven't had much success over the last 20 years. The commanders are in a much better situation now with him leaving. But Ernie... As flawed as he is, he purchased the Redskins back then and the field for $800 million. This was back in the mid mid to late 1990s. He's selling the team for $6.05 billion, billion with a B dollars. So he's making a $5,250,000 <laughs> profit on his investment 
from 25 years ago. <laughs> so everyone wins here. He wins financially. The commander's fans win that he's no longer yeah. there. It's like the Wicked Witches. The <laughs> Wicked Witch is gone. So now they can start to rebuild. And I think the NFL is happy that they've rid themselves of Daniel Snyder and all of the series of embarrassments, yeah. especially over the last five or so years that he brought on the league. So that's my closing thought. I think this is a situation where despite his flaws, he's five billion dollars richer than he was 25 years ago so he's gonna laugh himself all the way to the bank but i still think it's a wonderful thing for the commanders and their fans in the city of washington and i think it's great for the nfl to finally rid themselves of an owner that had brought nothing but embarrassment and shame on their organization and the nfl as a whole your thoughts yeah i mean yeah that five billion we'll we'll see how much that five billion is after uncle sam takes their share but it's, it's still in a enormous amount of uh of cash doesn't seem fair but you know if you're uh if you were a sports franchise owner i mean you may you made a lot of cash you know at least over the last decade i mean prices of nba nfl you know all those teams have gone up exponentially it, it it's crazy it's crazy but you know, hopefully for the commanders, you know, that that's that's a very prominent uh, organization. Man, I still remember the Hogs back into the in the days, you know, Joe Theismann and his, you know, every time I think of Joe Theismann, I, I think of his broken leg. <laughs> but his Super Bowl runs with them, with Riggins and, and whatnot, you know, hopefully it can, it can come back, you know, that, that team becomes successful because you're correct. It has been a very, very poorly run organization, almost to the likes of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, absolutely. So, gang, that was a full show of mostly NBA action. Um, again, my, my sister, Ernie. So, so, gang, this week, it was a tough week for my family. It was the one-year anniversary of my mom's passing on oh. Monday. It was my mom, would have been my mom's birthday on Thursday. So my dad and my sisters actually went out uh, to have dinner in my mom's honor on Monday. And on the way to dinner and on the way back, they listened to our podcast in the car. <laughs> but my sister is a huge NBA fan, so she'll fast forward anything else. So this particular show, she's going to love. And she's been sick all week. So she one whole hour of nothing but NBA. I think she's going to go ahead and love that. And again, a happy birthday to your wife. Mm-hmm. Lisa had a birthday this week, uh, Ernie's wife, and my mother-in-law who turned 91 earlier this week as wow. well. So a lot of going on, a lot of birthdays, a lot of action happening this week. A lot of action in the NBA. Nothing really going on in Major League Baseball in the NFL that we have to talk about. Denver is now up 25 points towards the end of the third quarter. Looks like they're going to roll in game one. What a week. I can't wait till next weekend. We'll have a lot more clarity on these first round matchups. Actually, the only thing that matters is the Lakers. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing that matters is the Lakers at this point in time. Oh, fights. We got a fight going on right now. (laughs) Kyle Anderson again. Where's Rudy Gobert? (laughs) Anyway, gang. Ernie, you got anything else? I'm good. All right, gang. Until next week. 
Wait, actually, before we sign off, I want to go ahead and credit the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Don't forget to tune in every single day, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. till 9 a.m. Kule, Paul, and, and the team over there at the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 760 a.m., 95.1 FM. And until next week, the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.